Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz. And I'm Holly, and we're so excited to be back. So we're going to jump right into our bookish buzz. So some of the um, big news that's been going on in the book world over the last month since we were last with you. I guess it hasn't even really been a month. It's only been about three weeks. So, yeah, Uh, so we'll get started. On September 1st, it was announced that the winner of the fourth right prize was revealed. So Zimbabwe-born Gift Nayoni won the 2021 fourth right prize for his short story which is called The Ritual Seat of the King. And he explores in his short story how life of a young boy changes with the ending of the Rhodesian Civil War. So that's awesome. That's pretty cool. And this award, in case you've never heard of it, I know I hadn't heard of it. And when Liz and I were talking about it, she had never heard of it. Um, It's an award that is given um, to writers in the United Kingdom um, for best new black or minority ethnic writers. So what a cool award and kudos to um, Gift Nione for for winning the 2021 award. Great news. Um, yeah, I just looked it up. It's actually also linked to Forza State Publishers. That I think that might be why it's called Fourth Right. Um, I've heard of them. They did uh, the Troubles books that I spoke about a few episodes ago, uh, The Troubles With Us, which is really good. Yep. <laughs> okay, so the next piece of news uh, comes to us through Netflix. And uh, some of you may or may not have seen Bridgerton Season 1, uh, which is a, a period drama. Um and it's also a book series as well. And they confirmed that season two is coming. And this is really exciting. I, I really did enjoy this um, season, this series. So looking forward to seeing what happens next. Um, I've only read the first book, but I haven't read the rest. So I might have to 
have a little um a little delve into into book two and, and see what what happens i probably just need to delve into book one and get on <laughs> get on the bridgerton train because i know this will make a lot of people happy and for some reason i um i'm still trying to run to catch the caboose of this train <laughs> it's nice it kind of mixes um your classic pro-drama with a little bit of more modern day especially when they do in the season one they actually have some of the um, orchestras and the balls playing modern songs, which is quite interesting. Oh. Um, so yeah, it's got like nice little sort of mix between the two. So it's kind of great for for both audiences, really. That's kind of cool. So uh, from a high note to sadly a low note. So we did hear that on the on August eighteenth, uh, a famous children's author and illustrator, Jill Murphy, unfortunately passed away from cancer, age seventy two. Um, this was such a a shock for me it was so sad because as a kid and even as a grown-up I used to read a lot of her books to my, my nephews and my nieces um she did The Worst Witch um she wrote Five Minutes Peace and she wrote so many brilliant books so that's such a such a loss to the the children's book world God, it's so sad and just cancer sucks <sighs> like I know God always the good ones as well always the, the, the good writers it's yeah, I know. You know what's sad is, you know, there's whenever we do this bookish buzz segment, I think, you know, there's always going to be like the sad news in there as well. It's just, I guess, part of it's, you know, circle of life, but part of it is just, you know, with COVID and cancer and these things that are taking so many people from us. It's really sad. Well, hopefully next next month we might not have a let's a let's shoot writer, let's shoot for that not. yes that's it fingers crossed <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um, well now to move to kind of a humorous note uh, on August twenty on August fourteenth which was the date that we were actually recording our August podcast episode uh, it was Free Comic Book Day here in the United States so it's a kind of a national event um, and. For some reason, a public library in Farmingdale, which is in Long Island, New York, was, you know, I think a lot of places did this. Like, they gave out, like, special prizes mm-hmm. and gifts for people who came to their events at their, like, their comic book stores or at local bookstores and libraries, you know, because it's it's fun. Like, we, we like, you know, free things and we like fun days like this where, you know, you can enjoy uh things that you love like comic books but this um, public library for some reason I don't know how it got past the people that were um, stuffing these giveaway bags but they ended up putting a pornographic comic book into their free giveaway bags that they were handing out to families as they attended the library's event um Wow. I wonder how many got accidentally passed out. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it said, but I know that obviously somebody, uh, communicated and, yeah. uh, so, yeah, I, like, as a parent, I'm like, I don't know how I would react. Like, I think it's funny. And, you know, if, if my kid's like, oh my gosh, mom, look at this, I think I'd bust out laughing. Um, but it's just, you know, it happens. Like, things like this happen. Yeah. And it's just, I just found it really kind of funny. And, um, and I hope that, you know, people aren't giving them too much, you know, <laughs> crap for it. Cause, you know, it, it, it didn't oh, hurt anybody. God. No one's like, you know, hurt from it. So yeah, exactly. it was a mistake. It, it happens, but I thought it was. <laughs> pretty funny <laughs> yeah we we actually have a free comic book day over here as well on, on the same date oh okay um, so i think it's been quite a new kind of um introduction to us 
Um, we've done it for about four five years, I think now, at least. So now we need to call so. it an International Comic Book Day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's be inclusive. Exactly. Um, okay, so on to um, away from comics and on to back onto the book world and in particular the fantasy series. So um, for fans of the, the From Blood and Ash series by uh, Jennifer Armentrout, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, Jennifer L. Armentrout. Um, there is a new book coming, book four. Oh, my God, I can't <laughs> wait. I, this is like the <laughs> biggest book news of the month for me, at least. Uh, I, I actually thought these were my last so I'm really looking forward to, to reading these three. Um, so book four is titled The War of Two Queens. And it's slated to be released on March 15th, 2022. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Can't wait. Watch this space. Can't wait. That series is just like, <laughs> it, it's one of my new favorite series. I've been read, I binge read the first two um, back to back right before the third one came out this past spring. And I had to wait a month yeah. before book three came out. And I think I cried myself to sleep every night because it wasn't out yet. It's such a good yeah, series. You'll be up so much. I might have to read it this month. I yes. Have to, like, put it at the top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because then we can talk about it. <laughs> All right. Then to wrap up our news segment, um, you know, New York Times, they always have their bestseller list. And, you know, you always see on covers of books, New York Times bestseller. So this week, um, looking at the, the New York New York um, Times bestsellers list, there's some there's some interesting things. Every now and then you, you see a book that's been on the list for a while. And Where the Crawdads Sing, a super popular book. Um, I think we mentioned last week uh, or last episode that this is becoming a movie that's going to be released next summer. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing has been on the New York Times bestseller list for 145 weeks. And it's, I know, like, that's kind of crazy. I don't do math, but I think that that, that's pushing almost six months, I believe. Um, I'm not 45 weeks. That's like... uh, Oh, no, that's more... I'm thinking days. See, I told you I don't do math. (laughs) (laughs) I read, okay? I read books. I I don't do math. So that's that's pretty much, I'm guessing, from the date it was released. Yeah, so, okay, so there's 52 weeks in a year, so, okay, so we're looking at... Almost three years, yeah. Almost three years. Oh, that's a little different than six months, three years. So that's that's pretty exciting. So, you know, the the the, the New York Times bestseller list goes beyond just the top ten. It's sitting at number 11 this week. Last week, I believe it was right around nine. So it's fluctuating where it is, but the fact that it's still on the list after three years really shows the pop- popularity of it. And honestly, I think it's a good indication of the popularity of the movie um, and how. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I, I think, think it's, it's. I think it's probably climbed up again recently because of the movie news. It probably. I think that's probably really brought it to the forefront because it, it was a brilliant book. I really enjoyed it. And you've read it as well, haven't you, Holly? I have. um, You know, and it's funny because when I read it, I read it a while ago, probably beginning of last year, maybe. I'd have to go back and look. But it took me a while to get into it. I yeah. had a I had a major love hate relationship with Kaya. Like I had a real struggle with her, and I'm like, okay. oh, you're driving me crazy. Um, but yeah. I I like the storyline. I like how it, I like how it turned out. So I'm definitely gonna see the movie. Like I'm excited for that. Oh yeah, and no, I'm really looking forward to that. Another book that has been, and now that I, you know, thank you, Liz, for reminding me that there's 52 weeks in a year, and <laughs> we're not basing years on 
days. Uh, the Midnight Library is another super popular book, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller list now for 39 weeks. So it's approaching that one-year mark. And it's sitting right now this week at number nine. So it's still in the top ten as well. So um, it's it's kind of following in the footsteps of where the crawdads sing. Um, so we'll see how much longer that one stays on there. And I know you read that one too. Um, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm very surprised it's been, I'm guessing that's again from the release date. Cause I'm sure it's only been out for just under a year. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that again, there's also a, um, is also another one that's been out from the beginning, but no, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a clever concept. I know we, we kind of discussed this before the podcast and, mm-hmm. and we've had slightly kind of conflicting, uh, ideas about it. So, um, yeah, so tell us what, what you thought about it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very interesting concept and, and I, for me, I don't know necessarily that this was the intent of the book. Um, because I, I think you could perceive it differently. Um, but for me, I know people who have um, committed suicide and have lost their lives. And mental health is is a really important topic to me. And there were moments in there where I just, I felt and perceived it as almost like glorifying suicide. Like, you know, you you know, hey, look at all these other lives you could have you could have had, and it would be great if in real life we had that that someone could like you know sit down. Um, but it's just like mental health is just so serious, and um, I just I just felt that it I don't know, and and I know that's probably a very unpopular opinion, but it's just it's just my own personal experiences with mental health and and suicide yeah. that I just I just kind of struggled with it, but I enjoyed the book and I enjoyed the premise of it, and it's and you know definitely worth worth a read i think mental health is very um it's a very sensitive subject because it's very subjective mm-hmm. it is all about how mental health affects you rather than how mental health affects people in general so i think it is very tough to to write a book based on mental health that's not going to upset a few people because what could be fine for some people could be seen as like a, a triggering effect for others so it's, it's so tough today but I think, I think overall he did a good job. Um, I can see what, um, why it would cause a little bit of upset. Um, but I mean, well, the, the proof is in the pudding as such. So the fact that it's been in, in the top, um, bestsellers list in New York Times. And I can also see, I was just looking at them now. Um, the, one of the books we spoke about last episode, Seven Hus- Husbands of Evelyn Hugo that you read is still at number six. It's climbed up this week. That's a good so one too. Yep. And Stephen King is number two. Uh, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> um, oh, I really, I want to get that book. It just sounds really good. And all I've heard on Bookstagram is, is good things. So. Yeah. Well, the current number one to wrap up our book buzz, uh, the current number one is The Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny. So I believe that was a new release within the last week or so. And so, um, yeah, it's new this week. I, to be honest, I've never heard of book or even the author <laughs> I'm not to be honest. have you read any of Louise Penny before I haven't um I I hadn't really heard of this book and I haven't really heard of this yeah. author so but it's number one right now so maybe it's worth a worth a look well I mean it says it's the 17th book in the Chief Inspector Gamache series so oh well there you go pretty successful to have 17 <laughs> books of them <laughs> yeah uh Interesting. So that's definitely something that um, maybe is worth a look to see what kind of, you know, run they've had yeah, with those 17 books. Jeez. Yeah. Um, 
Wow. I know. They're, they're trying to give um, Stephen King a run for his money. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our bookish buzz. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with what you're reading. All right. What you're reading. So, Liz, what are your thoughts and and ideas on what you've read this past month or three weeks, I guess? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So two of the books that kind of stood up me most this month or this past month is um one that, that I saw you recommended a lot recently which was um Scythe by Neil Schusterman absolutely love the series I really it was definitely a five-star read for me um I loved the concept of it and the whole idea of the cloud being this big machine which takes over the world just because it's it's interesting that it could actually one day be true that's the kind of the scariest part of it um, and also I like the fact that it was, wasn't your typical AI takes over the world and destroys humanity. It's AI takes over the world, makes humanity better, makes them perfect. So I really liked that idea. Um, it was just, it was a nice kind of refreshing kind of concept compared to some of the other books. I'm so glad when I saw that you were reading it. And I'm like, yes, it's such a good series. It really is. It, and like you said, it's such a unique concept mm. and it, a twist on like technology that a lot of times we already feel overruns and rules our lives. And it was just such, such a interesting way to give the cloud a persona and, you know, personify it. So it, oh, I can't wait for you to move through the rest of the series. <laughs> Um, and my second one was actually, um, it was actually a, an arc that I read through NetGalley, um, which I thought sounded interesting. I thought, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Um, it's called All Our Darkest Secrets by Martin Ford. Um, but having read it, it, oh, it was just amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. It is um, psychological thriller, but it's a sort of one where there's always something happening. And especially the last like couple of chapters, my heart was literally pounding out of my chest because um, <laughs> I just I needed to know what happened because it was so dramatic. Um, it was such a dramatic finale. So that one was yeah definitely a, a big kind of highlight of my of my year's reading, and I definitely recommend that one. What is that one um, getting released? That one is I think it's out now actually. I think it came out. Oh uh, yeah no in fact it came out I believe a few days ago on the first of September. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's, that's out already. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. That's awesome. Yeah. So Holly, what are you reading? Oh, what, what have you read this past month? So this past month has been a really kind of a slower read for me. I, you know, I work in public education. We went back to school for, you know, our post COVID <laughs> survival time and, you know, 1700 kids in yeah. one school and, and in a weird pandemic world, I've just been swamped with, with work and my own personal children. So I've only got through a couple books this month. Um, but I did read, uh, as part of a book club, um, The Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendricks. Um, it's been kind of popular. I've been seeing it around a lot yeah. uh, on Instagram. And I love the concept of it. it. It's really about the these final girls. And the final girls are a group of women who, as teenagers, were the sole survivor of mass murders, like mass killings. Uh, mm-hmm. And so how they have kind of rallied together, created the support group 
you know, to help them cope with this horrible trauma and tragedy that they've they've dealt with. I mean, you've got to assume that they, they probably have like survivor's guilt and like oh, how they're PTSD. pushed. Yeah. And just how they like have been pushed through the media throughout their teenage years and into adulthood. And um, so I just, I thought it was interesting uh, and I read it and unfortunately I was a little disappointed in it. It was just a little meh. Like I just posted my review yesterday. So um, I have a, a short review on my Instagram page, but the full review uh, is, is on my blog. But there, I mean, I liked aspects of it. I just, yeah. I don't know. I went through most of the book going, oh my God, these people are crazy. And not just, you know, the, the, the final girls, but like the police officers that they interact with. I'm like, they're crazy. I'm thinking of all the internal investigations that this police department would go through. So it is truly a fictional story. So if you can do some uh, suspension of disbelief and, you know, just kind of, you know, just throw your hair back and be like, it's fiction. It's whatever can happen happens. Um, you know, it's definitely interesting. It's another one of those books for me where it's like the last couple of chapters redeemed it a little bit for me. Um, but you know, so it was, you know, so that's when I read and then I read a, a, an arc um, called The the Hidden by Melanie Golding. And it's kind of like a crime drama. Um, you have this lady who's trying to, to solve and put these pieces together. There's a man who was found unconscious in critical condition. Uh, and then there's two women and a toddler missing. And so trying to figure out and she ends up having some very deep personal connections um, to the case. And there's uh, what what really kind of made it cool and, and different from some of like the other just kind of you know, crime stories and thrillers and stuff that are out there is Melanie Golding threw in some folklore and it was just kind of an interesting twist on it. So there's like mention of, um, uh, there's like this angle in it, this arc in it that dealt with, uh, silkies, which are, you know, people who, uh, at first I'm like, like mermaids, but it's more like people who have like this, this coat and, um, kind of like mermaids, but they become, instead of mermaids, they're like seals. So, yeah. it, so it's just, it was kind of, a, I'm like, how are they going to, how is she going to meld this <laughs> folklore of selkie seal people into this like legitimate kind of crime investigation? But I loved it and it's, it's an arc. So I read it, you know, the advanced copy of it. It's not going to be released until November. So closer to time when it, when we get to the, um, our new and upcoming releases, I'll bring it back up to remind mm-hmm. people to check it out. Um, so mm-hmm. before we move into what we're currently reading, um, I do want to welcome Kate Allen. She has just joined us. So welcome, Kate. Hi, Kate. Yes. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, oh. I'll, sorry. I'll just sit here while you guys talk. <laughs> Well, okay, just have your unmute button handy because we'll probably ask you what you're reading right now because that's what we're moving into. Um, so, Liz, talk to us about what you're reading. So, um, yeah, as I've, I've said previously, I did receive a lot of books my birthday a few days ago. So I've had plenty to choose from, um, but I thought I'd start with The um, Cruel Prince by Holly Black, um, which is part of the Folk in Folk and Air series. Mm-hmm. Um, so really enjoying that so far. I'm at halfway through, um, but I love fantasy and it's, it's been a genre that I've really quite heavily um, relied upon during kind of the last year and a half during all the lockdowns and everything. So it's one that I've really kind of um, really loved. 
And on audiobook, I'm currently listening to Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. Um, I started this actually about six months ago, but I never finished it. I think I just jumped onto a different book, but I thought I'd start it again. And it's nice because it's very much aimed at kind of my um, my age group because they're talking about things like Emerson Messenger and um, kind of being a teenager and talking to everyone, all your friends straight away as you get home from school. And it really kind of relates to, to my age group. You always like really relate to um, everything that she's speaking about. And it's very kind of down to earth. Um, so again, also really enjoying that. Very two very different, um, very different books. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, I've read the Cruel Prince series, so just like Scythe, I'm so excited that you're reading it. Um, so you can finish <laughs> it and we can talk about it. Um, but Definitely. yeah, what are you reading? Um, so I'm reading two books as well. I am reading The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Um, and it's it, it's really kind of cool. And um, I don't I. I I didn't really look into exactly what it's about. Sometimes I just read books because I think they sound cool or I'll see them and I don't really <laughs> read the synopsis or the blurbs. Yeah. Uh, but this one's been really kind of interesting. You have this girl who just, you know, she's um, not living with, she doesn't have parents, so she's living with her older sister and, you know, so they don't have a lot of money. They're kind of poor and she's mm. just trying to make it through high school and she is named in the will of a multi-billionaire who's just passed away. She has no idea. Nobody knows how, how she's connected. Like the family doesn't know. She doesn't know. And the guy who passed away was pretty much a, a Riddler. So he creates all these puzzles. And so he's left all these kind of clues because they're all trying to figure out why she's in the will and basically took took the fortune took the incomplete inheritance away from this the members of the family and so the family's all mad and um but but like you know the grandsons are kind of working with her to try to figure out what that connection so it's been interesting i I like riddles like that i like kind of like puzzle Mm. figure it out kind of kind of um stories so it's definitely a, a kind of a cool young adult book and then I'm reading He Loves Me, She Loves Me Not by Emerson Park. She actually reached out to me and provided me a copy of this book. And it was just released on August, um, was it August 1st? It's just been recently released. Um, I want to say it was August 1st that it was released. So it's out and it's available. And it's more of a contemporary women's fiction um, book. And it's it's really, I've, I've kind of hooked in it. So again it's a girl who's kind of growing up she um her dad ends up passing away uh it's set back in uh it's kind of like a chronological timeline like each chapter tells you the date uh it's kind of set in the late primarily in the late 80s and her mom is not the best mom she definitely would not win mother of the year award um but now her mom is in critical condition after a stroke and so she's kind of on this mission she's she came home from college she's now kind of on this mission to try to figure out a little bit more about her mom um and so she's found her mom's old journals and it's completely given her mom like her mom a different um person it's it's like you know a completely different side of her mom than what she experienced growing up with her so it's been pretty good that sounds emotional (laughs) yeah it it, it's yeah it's kind of sad because like your heart kind of breaks for her for her just how her childhood went and and now like she's she's kind of reconciling how she felt growing up to what she's learning about her mom and her journals 
So, yeah. So, Kate, yeah, oh, okay. go ahead, Liz. I was going to say the inheritance games. Um, that was one that I, yeah, I've seen it in a bookshop. It does sound very interesting. So, I'll be interested to kind of have a chat with you once it's finished. <laughs> yeah. And, and not to jump ahead, but book number two in the inheritance series, inheritance game series, is coming out on Tuesday. Um, in the United States and then on Thursday in England. So, so when you read book one, at least you know you can binge read it with book two because <laughs> there be, it's being released this week. It's called the, the Hawthorne Legacy is book two. Nice. <laughs> All right, Kate, what are you reading? Uh, yeah, so I actually have a couple of, uh, arcs. I, um, I got approved for a bunch of arcs and then sent stuff recently. Um, so I'm listening to an audiobook arc for, um, a book called First Love Take Two. Um, and it's, it's kind of a contemporary romance. Um, so far it seems like the, the main character, she's a doctor and, um, she had to break up with her first boyfriend over family disapproval. And so, um, she kind of gets a second shot at dating him and I don't know where it's going, but I like it so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, I got sent another arc called Oh William by Elizabeth Strout. I don't know if you guys mm. have seen that floating around. Um, I think it was a penguin random house book, but I can't, I can't exactly remember. They sent it to me uh, a little while ago, but, um, yeah. And that one is more of a, um, I don't know if either of you have read sorrow and bliss by Meg Mason, Mm-mm. but it kind of reminds yeah. me of that. It's, it's more like a really sentimental, um, uh, emotional contemporary stream of consciousness read, if that Ooh, makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a little literary. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. It's kind of a literary <laughs> yeah. fiction, but, uh, yeah. I love stream of consciousness because I think that's how I talk. <laughs> so I can, yeah. I, I can relate to it. Sometimes I don't really think before I speak and then I'll just speak and everyone's like, what are you talking about? So I can relate to stream of consciousness. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think some readers really hate it. They think it's hard to follow. But for me, it kind of makes a weird sense (laughs) to read. So I I enjoy that, too. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, All right. So um, let's talk just quickly because we already talked about one about some new uh, and upcoming releases. September is going to be a big month. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we've got a lot of releases coming out. Um, We talked about this before the podcast. It does seem to be that autumn um autumn months do tend to be very popular for for new book releases so i'm quite excited to see kind of what what the next few months brings as well as these ones coming up yeah so like for example we talked about the hawthorne legacy book two and the inheritance games coming out um this this week actually and there's another book that's coming out this week it's actually already out in england but the night she disappeared by Lewis by Lisa Jewell um, comes out in the United States on Tuesday, Tuesday, which would be tomorrow. And um, but it's currently out, and I've been seeing that one. That one seems to be pretty popular right now. I'm seeing it floating around on uh, Instagram a lot. Yeah, no, it, it does. Lisa Jewell does tend to be quite a good one. I think I've, I've read a few of her books. I haven't read any recently, but um, no, she is a very good, um, very talented writer. So it'd be interesting to see. How that one does. I think I read her first one um, called Ralph's Party, which came out mm. years ago now. Um, but no, really good book. So definitely looking forward to, to seeing how that does. Um, and the next one, there's also, um, which if you've been looking at um, Instagram recently on my page, um, I did a review of it. And it's TJ Clean's new book, um, Under the Whispering Door. That comes out on the 21st of September. 
Um, I know for the UK, it only comes out on the Kindle in September. I don't know mm. whether it's coming out physical in the US, is it, on 21st September? I believe so. Yeah, I think our one's not coming out physical until October, so I'm guessing mm. there's been some sort of um, stock delay there. But it is a brilliant book. Um, so I don't want to give away too much, but basically there's this old guy who is um, who works in law. He's very much career-driven. He's very self-centered, doesn't have friends or family because he lives for work. He lives for his success. Um, he dies, and then he's taken to uh, to the ferryman uh, who helped, tried to help him accept his, his death and move on to the next the next life. So I haven't actually read the first one. Um, Holly did oh. a, do an amazing job, and she, actually, she bought me the first book um, for my birthday. So I couldn't I make it a bigger hint. That, like, Liz, you got to read it, so I'm just going to buy it for you for your birthday because you've got so, to read The House on the Cerulean Sea. <laughs> Um, but if it's any if it's anywhere near as good as, as Underworld Whispering Door, it's, it's going to be amazing. But yeah, definitely check it out on 21st September um, for the US and UK. Awesome. Um, another one that's coming out is a book by Anthony. I believe his last name is is Durer. I'm not sure, but he is the author of All the Lights We Cannot See, which is another book that we see a lot kind of floating around on Instagram. But he has a new book coming out on September 28th in both England and the United States, which is called Cloud Cuckoo Land. So um, I don't know, just the title itself sounds intriguing and I'm hooked. So I'll probably be checking yeah. that out at some point. I've had all the lights we cannot see on my Kindle for so long. It's just one of those books I haven't actually got around to reading yet. Mm-hmm. But I've heard a lot of good things. I think um, Books and Margaritas just um, read it recently. Oh, I have so it too. And I just like, it's one of those books that you just kind of like, I just kind of pass over it for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and of course, we've got one other one coming out this month, which is by Nicholas Sparks. I love um, him. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Um, so really look forward to this one. It is called The Wish, um, and that one is out on September 28th, um, both in, uh, in the US and the UK. Um, this one is, uh, I haven't actually looked up the blurbs. <laughs> it, um, obviously, it's going to be another kind of heart-wrenching <coughs> love story. Um, yeah, it says, heart-wrenching story about discovery and loss. Um, it's a reminder that time with those precious to us is the greatest gift of all. Hmm. I mean, if anything, you know that when, with a Nicholas Sparks book, you're going to cry mm-hmm. and you're going to have, be heartbroken. <laughs> exactly. He has, he has an absolute way with, with emotive language. So yeah, it looks a bit like the picture looks a bit kind of Christmassy. So it might be something worth reading nearer to the, the Christmas season. It's got lots of snow on it and, and things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love like the Christmas. See, I'm not a huge romance which, reader, which is good that we're going into um, our interview with with Kate here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do really enjoy um, like watching Hallmark Christmas yeah. movies as well, and I like reading. <laughs> I like reading books that follow like the same kind of like Hallmark movie feelish. Um, yeah. Like I like that. Nicholas Sparks doesn't give me the Hallmark um, <laughs> movie. I'm always like. <laughs> heartbroken and, and sobbing so but i still for, for some reason we still go back and we still read his books because they're just really uh, good yeah we're, we're a sucker for for torture yeah aren't we <laughs> oh my gosh but i mean dear john the notebook oh, i love the notebook and the, the film especially was just i can watch that so many times i know <laughs> 
All right, so a lot of good books on the horizon. We're, I, th- I think we're reading some really good books. I'm really into to what we're reading right now. Um, so we uh, can't wait to see what are like to get to these new books. So we're going to take another short little break, and then we will be back, and we're going to dive in to our interview with Kate Allen. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, We're still, yeah, we're still going. We're still recording. We just kind of pause a little bit so we know where to put in different things, but we're back now. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um, Liz, would you like to kind of kick us off? Yes, as um, we previously said, we have Kate Allen here with us today, which we are so happy to have you here. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, Obviously, she is the writer of Fear of Flying, um, which I had the pleasure of reviewing and, and was part of the book tour quite a while ago now. It was quite a good few months ago. Um, so start off, um, tell us a bit about yourself, Kate. Sure. Um, so Fear of Flying was my first novel. Um, and um, I'm an attorney during the day. I'm based in te- Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas, to be specific. Um, and yeah, I mostly just write, travel, do random creative stuff in my free time. And then, you know, I lawyer during the day. (laughs) So, um, what, what made you first want to become an author? What inspired you? So I have actually been writing, uh, since I was about five or seven. Um, so it's been a long time dream of mine to have a book published, um, both of my parents have dabbled in writing, mostly journalism, when I was growing up. So, um, yeah. And they're both very avid readers. So, it, I don't know, it just kind of fell into place. And then I actually studied English literature for my um, my bachelor's degree. So, yeah. That's kind of cool. I, my undergraduate degree is actually in journalism as well. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it, it's it's kind of interesting, um, but yeah, because I mean it, it's you know it's kind of like where you know, I went into it going, hmm, I can be a journalist. You know, I I was I did journalism in high school. I'm like I like writing, I like interviewing people, and kind of investigating things and figuring things out. And then of course I uh, I am I am not a uh, a journalist right now. <laughs> Changed my major about four times yeah. in college, but um became a teacher, but I will say I taught journalism for many years at the high school level and so I still got to to experience my love of journalism and pass that love on and at least I can see some of my former students now working for, you know, 
TV stations in Wisconsin and doing social media stuff Ooh. for companies. So it's like I'm living vicariously through them since I decided not to pursue that field. Wait, so you, you guys studied journalism at high school? Yeah. So we had a um, – and wow. even at the high school I'm at right now, we have um, a journalism program. And so we uh, – it looks a lot different now. When I was in high school, we actually had to do the old-fashioned broadsheets, and we had to do the measurements, and we had to like, oh, wow. like you know, send it all in. And I mean, and that was in the '90s, so it's not like you know, back in the '50s. But you know, technology just shows how quickly technology advanced from like you know yeah. when I was doing this in 1995 in high school to now, and even like when I was teaching it, um, it evolved from when I was teaching it to we mm. we digitally designed every like all the pages and we just submitted the pages and they printed the newspaper to now we don't really do printed newspapers anymore we have our online news sites so our kids yeah. now learn how to do journalistic writing online photography and all of that stuff but then they learn how to build it and maintain it as like a live website yeah no we had to wait i had to wait till i got to university to study journalism they didn't do it at college or or at school for us so we had, I think the closest thing we did was um, media studies. Oh. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, it's interesting that you guys study journalism. Oh, I'm so jealous. I would have <laughs> loved to have started early. <laughs> yeah, I um, I grew up in a really small town and we didn't we didn't have media studies or journalism in high school. So um, that sounds fantastic. I'm really jealous of the kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I, they're just, they're able to be exposed to so much that we just, you know, and, and it's sad because, like, none of us are that old. Um, you know, according to my 13-year-old, you're not old until you're 60, and I don't think anybody here <laughs> is, is 60. Um, but it's just like, I don't, it just, it just shows just how quick everything changes. And I don't know. Um, okay. I, agree. I, mean, I mean, now they do, like, coding school. Yes. So that's something we never would have done at yeah. school. Yeah, and we have coding at our high school. Like, as as early as yeah. ninth grade, our kids can take coding. They can take exactly. four years of coding and go right into, like, a <laughs> computer science program and probably be further ahead than some of the college freshmen. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. it is insane, For the sure. opportunities. Um, okay, Kate, can you just talk us talk us through your writing plan? process like what does that look like um like do you plan a lot before you get started do you just dive right in and have it become a stream of consciousness and then you you know revamp it later um so I don't I'm not a big plotter you know what they call uh, like those people those uh, authors who have like those fabulous spreadsheets and like charts and I think that's amazing (laughs) and I have I've tried to be that person but so far the thing that seems to work um and actually help me finish books is to just dive into it um I wouldn't really say the narratives are stream of consciousness but I do um I do scene hop you know Mm -hmm. so I I kind of big picture know exactly what I want the ending to be what I want to happen um and you know my my document while I'm writing kind of has little um you know, headers, very long descriptive headers for, you know, scenes that come to mind. Um, and I just hop around um, and then I kind of, you know, Frankenstein the manuscript at the end to make it fit the way that I want it to rather than, you know, the order I wrote it in. Um, and then I edit it a bunch. It makes my life harder, but at least it's on paper. So. I find that <laughs> so fascinating that, that yeah. that's how you do it. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to 
to keep myself straight? Like how, how do you not get it all kind of like mixed up and how do you, how do you know, like I'm, cause I'm assuming at the end when you're Frankensteining it back together that you have like pages upon pages upon pages of writing. How do you know that you're, that you're actually getting it back in like the order in your, that you have it in your head? So I do, um, I mean, mostly from feedback. I, I go through my drafts several times and like I said, it makes my life more difficult. I think, I think the authors who tend to plan more thoroughly and are able to, you know, write, um, you know, in a linear manner, I think their lives are probably a lot easier. They probably don't have as many messy drafts as I do, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I do the best I can. I, it's usually just the story. I have it so clearly in my mind how I want it. So whenever I reread the draft, um, you know, it sticks out to me if I realize, um, you know, oh, this narrative beat isn't where it should be. I actually intended for it to be here or it works better. Um, so it's pretty easy. It's just time consuming. Um, and it, you know, it takes a few more drafts, but then I also, um, you know, have critique partners. And then of course, editors, uh-huh. um, are the, the biggest ones that, you know, uh, help cut what doesn't need to be there or, you know, kind of make things make sense that to me at the time they, you know, it made sense to me when I wrote it, but you know, it's not really getting across to an objective reader. So, you know, those people are imperative, especially when you're a messy writer, like I think. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact you describe yourself as a messy writer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just the truth. (laughs) I think that's a fascinating way of making it. I'd say like we've only had one other author on and, it's just so interesting to hear about the different methods that each author has and, and how everyone writes differently. Um, so what else, what are you working on at the moment? Are you working on a new, new projects or? Yes. So I, I actually have something that I can't talk about, but I'm very excited about it. I, um, I have some thriller news, but I'm probably going to be publishing it under a pen name that's unrelated to Kate Allen just because the genre is so different. Yeah. So I, I can't really talk about it too much, but it seems like we might have an offer on that end. So I'm very excited about that. Um, wow. When that news is going to come through. Um, and then I also am working on another um, contemporary romance. So, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be coming out sometime next year. So, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's exciting, but it's kind of like ah, just tell us. But we get it, we understand. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a very recent thing, so that's why I have to mention it because yeah. I'm super excited about it. But I, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, nope. I can't show the juicy details. Um, but yeah, no, nope. we'll we'll <laughs> be waiting for when you can. Exactly, yes. we'll keep our eyes closed. How far uh, how far through are you for the contemporary romance? How's that going? Coming along. So it's um, it's in the editing process, um, and it's not quite as messy as Fear of Flying was when it was in the draft stage. So it's it's kind of getting getting along there. So yeah, yeah it's um, but yeah, it's near the end. It actually takes place in Texas, um, and it has a lot of food involved in the narrative, which I always Ooh. think is nice. We yeah. love books Very with good. food. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you need any art readers, you've got two perfect ones right here. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Food and romance, this is like two of the best combinations. <laughs> yes, yes. There's also bartending. One of the main characters is a, you know, a hunky bartender. Mm. So, um, yeah. I'm already <laughs> intrigued. 
and and as another selling point he's the one who cooks so um because i i think men cooking is amazing yeah i completely agree 100 percent sold completely Um, so it's interesting, um, that you're talking about like the news is like kind of a different genre that you're, that you're writing. Um, now, uh, with fear of flying, you know, we've heard like that it's kind of classified as a romance, but we've also heard that's kind of also just contemporary like fiction. How, how would you describe your writing style? Like where would you categorize your books and your genres? Oh, man. Uh, so since, uh, <laughs> you know, I think Liz actually, I think you might have commented on my post yeah. about, um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, I was writing about how, um, like, romance and women's fiction, I think it's such a, a weird blurred line that mm. people are asked to draw. Um, and that kind of, it came out with, um, you know, Helen Huang, her new book, she had had some criticism that, um uh, some reviewers didn't think it was real romance because it focused a lot on the female characters, uh, development and working through grief, which my book has a lot of, you know, heavier themes. Yeah. Um, and I kind of got some similar feedback because there's a lot of mental health issues and then also grief in my book. Uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of, um, inextricably intertwined with the romance. Um, so I don't know. That's a great question. I, I would think that Nicholas Sparks is actually romance, but I don't think a lot of people think that because he doesn't have happy endings um, <laughs> most, if any of the times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if I've ever read anything that yeah. he's written that has a happy ending. <laughs> so that's a great question. I, I would think, um, I don't know. I think my book is, you know, broadly contemporary fiction, but it's also women's fiction because it follows, you know, the main character's journey. But there are a few point of view shifts uh, between her and the male, uh, the male lead um, that I think kind of put it into the romance genre. Okay. So it's tricky. So yeah. so then when you when you write then, because um, I think because I, I write, I've been writing since I was 13. I just haven't done anything with anything I write. Um, mm-hmm. But I just like so I when I write, I just write because. I think I have a cool story idea and I just want to write and I don't try to pigeonhole it into a specific genre. Mm-hmm. So when you write, is that more or less kind of like you try not to like say, this is, this is going to be this genre. I just want to write and enjoy what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly how it is. Um, I actually didn't even start looking into genre classifications and all the little nuances until I was querying my uh, my other book and then also, you know, Fear of Flying. Um, so it's uh, and then I started, you know, when you're querying agents and things like that, you have to pitch it. And so then I started wondering, what is my book exactly? <laughs> um, and that that was the first time I'd really heard of women's fiction. Um, and then, you know, I kind of thought, I don't know, I feel like my book could fit into women's fiction. Uh, but broadly speaking, it does also check the boxes for romance. So, um, you know, I kind of just tailored it to fit into what people were asking for if I thought that the the characters and the plot they were looking for was there. So, so yes, I don't really pay any mind to genre when I'm writing. It's just something that, you know, unfortunately you have to research and look at afterwards. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So, um, obviously – Talking of your your daily novel, Fear of Flying, um, as I say, I've read it and I 
really enjoyed it. It was such a, a great read. Um, just talk about where, where did the idea originally come from? Um, so I have been everywhere that uh, they travel to in the books. And um, I don't know, I thought I love travel. I love romance. I thought it would be kind of a fun idea to have, um, you know, a character who's at a low point of her life um, in her, you know, early 20s trying to figure out what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she ends up on an unexpected trip. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a way for me to work through some broader themes that I always think about, you know, uh, with loss and grieving. Um and, you know, what makes it so terrifying to care deeply about someone when you're, you know, you've just lost someone else that you very deeply care about. Um, and so I, I thought a great way to do that would be to explore it through these fictional characters and put them in a, a completely different setting than I've ever been in. <laughs> you know, like uh, the, the framework of their lives is completely different from mine. Um, yeah. But, you know, it kind of it was fun to make these pictures and flesh them out and see how they explored these themes that I've come across in my life. So. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, it it was a brilliant read. And I think, haven't you picked up a copy recently, Holly, as far as team? I have a copy of it. I have not started it yet, but I have a copy. Um, and I am super excited to, to dive into it and, and read it. So, um, yeah. So well, thank you so much for reading it. That's awesome. I hope you like it. Um, I'm it is, sure I will. It's a little bit heavier, so <laughs> just be warned. I can handle a heavy book. Absolutely. I I I yeah, got have, this. Have to keep Definitely have to keep Yep. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So you you talk about it. it it's a kind of a heavier book and and things like that. You have a pretty heavy career. You're a lawyer. Um. So. So kudos to you because I could never do that. Um, I, I do, I do know my limitations. Um, so, but everything in our life, like our jobs and everything do impact who we are and how we perceive the world and, and how we look at things. So how has your work as a lawyer, and I'm also curious to know what kind of lawyer you are, if you're willing to share that, but how has your work as a lawyer impacted your writing? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I actually think, um, so, you know, as I said, I've been writing for a very long time. Um, I, I took a break between my undergrad and, you know, while I was in law school, I didn't really write fiction. Um, but I wrote a lot of, um, you know, part, just part of law school and being a lawyer is constantly writing, but it's not the fun type. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I feel like just the technical aspect of it really helped me. It made me more of an analytical thinker when it comes to writing. Um, obviously, the uh, organization part doesn't translate to my writing process. And I think that's actually why I kind of resist the organization, because it, it kind of separates the fun writing from, you know, my day job. Um but I mean, there's there's really no big legal themes or um, or anything in a fear of flying. I think it's mostly just the technical aspect have kind of informed how I tackle, um, you know, plot lines and you know maybe logic and things like that. So, if that makes sense. Absolutely, know. that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, and then um, um, as far as. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you carry on. Don't worry. You carry on. No, I was just going to say, as far as type of lawyer, I actually, during law school, I was, um, I was really focused into criminal law and then also tax law. 
Um, I do neither of those now. I did practice tax law for a brief time. Um, but yeah, I do mostly business, intellectual property, and, um, you know, oh, estate wow. planning, that kind of thing. So it's completely different from what I was planning to do during law school, but, <laughs> but I'm very happy with it. So, But it's almost <laughs> like more that. connected to what you do as an author if you're doing like intellectual mm-hmm. law and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so exactly. I can, I can see, I can see that connection there. So that's really cool. Exactly. You, make, you can make sure you know how to cop, like copyright your your brand and your exactly. your book <laughs> and keep it safe. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so talking of writing, um, who are your your literary inspirations? Who do you kind of look up to? Um, so I don't know. I, that's such a tricky question. I feel like I just in the past year I have stumbled upon so many new authors. Yeah. Um, that I didn't really know existed until I was reviewing things for, you know, my, my bookstagram account, uh, before I got published. Um, who have been some of your, who have been some of your highlights of the year then, authorwise? Um, okay. So since I mentioned it earlier with the currently reading section, so Meg Mason, I think she's fantastic. She's amazing. Um, she only has a couple of books out, but I think she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys should definitely read her book, Sorrow and Bliss. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. <laughs> So um, she's actually a UK author, I believe. Okay. I and I think she, I think she's a UK author, but she lives in Australia. I could be, I could be completely flip flopped on that. But um, so her, and then I think, um, let's see, um, Taylor Jenkins Reid. I always get her her name confused. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think she's fantastic. Um, And I just recently discovered her too, but she has. So many books uh, backlogged mm. over the years that I need to kind of catch up on. Which two um, did you read? Um, so I really like um, Daisy Jones and the Six. That was I, the latest yeah, one I, that I read. I just listened to that audio book. So good. Really, really enjoyed that it's one. It's amazing. I think it's made for audio. The I, yeah. I started reading Completely the the ebook and then I, I switched over to the audio and I, I thought the performances were amazing. It was yes. so great. Oh no, no, definitely. It has to be that's the one that I would I don't usually read fiction like listen to fiction on audio. I like memoirs and autobiographies, but this one was just made to be audiobook. It was such a brilliant performance. Yeah, yeah. And I think she's really good at um she's a very, I think, um introspective writer mm. like she really likes to look at personal relationships so I also I read um, Malibu Rising the latest one okay. that came out yeah and I I thought she was really she's very deft at looking at you know interpersonal relationships and stuff so yeah nice that's awesome so this question might be a little connected to that um in who you choose but if you could collaborate with any writer living or dead who would you want to collaborate with and why Um, okay. So living or dead. So I think (laughs) this is probably an answer that everybody would give, but I think Jane Austen would be amazing to collaborate with. (laughs) Cause I think, um, (laughs) I think, I think she's a really, or she was a really cool person, but then also I think she would have so many interesting things and insights into our society these days. Mm. Um, you know, she was, I feel like a lot of her books books had a really interesting, you know, subtext about how society was at the time. And so um, I would be really interested to see her feedback about, you know, the current relationships going on in the world today. So, yeah. Great choice. 
That is, yeah, that is a good place. <laughs> I love really it. <clears throat> so, um, obviously recently you have set up a new website, a new blog called This Book Is Lit. Um, so just tell us a bit about it and, and where did the idea come from? So I actually started that website. Um, I'm trying to remember when I started my book Instagram account. I guess it was um, at the very beginning of the pandemic last March, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. the, in the year that we don't like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> the year that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I started it back then. And then I just kind of left it there and neglected it. I posted a few reviews, yeah. but I found that, you know, Instagram seemed to be more... Um, more the place to be where all the Mm. book parties are at. So so, um, I kind of just left it there. And then, um, you know, going through the the author marketing process and everything on my own, I just felt like I um, was kind of, uh, I felt like there were a lot of people that I wasn't connecting with that had like their own stories to tell and everything. And so Mm. I, I wanted to kind of connect more with, you know, book reviewers um, illustrators and then authors that, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, they're not on the, the top 10 bestsellers list, maybe necessarily, but, um, you know, they're, they're great. They have insights and stories to share and they have their own reader base. And, you know, um, I, I just, I thought it'd be fun to, to kind of revamp my neglected website and make it more of a, a hub <laughs> for, um, for, you know, book nerds. Um, of all sorts, authors and readers. <laughs> yeah, no, so, I, I think yeah. it's such a good idea. And yeah, I, I love your site. It's, I think that's Thank the you. kind of thing that I wanted to go for. I wanted to kind of bring together a community and to be able to interact with, as I say, with writers, with, with bookstagrammers, all different kind of areas of the, the book community as such and bring it all together. So, and of course, I did have a little, a little article on your site, um, a few weeks yes. ago. I <laughs> say so thank you for that. Um, no, thank you for doing that. That was great. <laughs> and I, um, you know, the other thing is when I uh, was first publishing my book, you have to, you have to go through the process of asking other authors to read and blurb your book. Um, if you want to quote and stuff. And that was really my first time interacting with these great published authors that I admire. And, um, and I just found out that people are so supportive and, mm-hmm. you know, they're all the creative people really love, you know, everybody's books and, I just, I kind of wanted to keep that warm community and spread it more because I think it's fantastic. So <laughs> that's, it's so cool. Like, you know, I, I looked at your website this morning and it's, it's really cool. And of course, you know, you're active on, on Bookstagram and that community in itself is just, it, it's one of the best communities to be part yeah. of if you're, if you're involved with, with books and writing and just the love of literature. Um, but as an author, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to write their first book? Um, I think, I think the biggest thing, and it's, you know, it's the most straightforward piece of advice. It's not even advice. Everybody knows it. Just get it on paper is the most important thing. (laughs) But the reason I say that is because, um, you know, when you were asking me about my writing process, I I mentioned how I'd kind of forced myself to be more of a a planner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I, I thought that I had to, you know, to force myself to, to really be this, um, you know, organized, uh, person, which I think works for a lot of people. And I think some people might actually be fighting the opposite way. I think there are people who try to just dive in and then they're not able to get it all on paper because they're actually planners. Mm. Um, and so I think the best thing is just no matter what it takes, 
find a way that works for you and get it on paper. And then, you know, the rest you can deal with. That's really the hardest part. Just getting your story out. (laughs) Great advice. Cause, and and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is just to, to get it on paper, but also just to not realize that your first draft is not going to be the end draft by any means. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would just say, don't fight your nature. You know, whoever you are as a writer, find it, but you know, don't try to force yourself into, you know, being a specific type of writer. (laughs) And I think a lot of people do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Completely brilliant advice. Um, what would be your favorite book of all time? Do you have like a, a book that you go back to time and time again? Um, uh, yeah, I actually have a couple. So I I did go through a phase where I really loved um, reading Jane Eyre over and over again. <laughs> I haven't read it in several years, but I, I think it's a fantastic book. Um, so I love Jane Eyre. And then the other one, um, these are kind of just classics that they always make you read, but I don't know. I I love them. <laughs> the Outsiders by <gasps> F.E. Hinton. Love I that love one. That book. Oh, stay gold, pony boy. <laughs> yes. It breaks my heart every time, but I, I absolutely love that book. Um, so those are kind of my, my two classics that I'll read over nice. and over again. They would probably be the ones I'd bring on like a desert island <laughs> scenario. <too>. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I've never actually read The Outsiders. I think it's a very kind of American um, school education um, book. True. I think very you should Americana. Gotta yeah, got to read it. You have to read it. Like I, I really think you you would enjoy. It. You'd get okay. you'd get a lot out of it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, because super short too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Also, before we go into the next section, I've just got to mention. So you've got a, um, a guitar in the background. Are you quite a musical person? Uh, okay. So yes, I do have a guitar in the background, but no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I, um, so I actually, I grew up playing clarinet and, um, and then when I switched schools, I think I was 16 or something and I, I didn't want to play clarinet anymore. I wanted to play like a cool instrument. And so I sold my clarinet and I bought this guitar. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, a while ago and I, you know, I've played it on and off, um, I, but no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at it, but I enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> I also have a ukulele that's over there that I'm a little oh, bit wow. better at, but, um, cause it's, you know, it's tinier, it's easier to manage, but, yeah. but no. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so we're on to our final, um, section. So this is our either or, um, for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast before, we will ask, um, 10 questions and it'd be an either or. So, Everyone has to answer. So Kate and Holly and myself have to answer. Um, it's just a, a gut instinct one. It's a, a quick fire round um, just to finish off the episode. So um, are you guys ready today? Ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What order, Liz? Okay. Who, who do you, how, how, what order do you want us to answer in? <clears throat> uh, should we go Kate, you, me? Perfect. Cool. Okay. So let's start. Um, friends to lovers or enemies to lovers? Friends to lovers. Enemies to lovers. Yeah, enemies to lovers. Um, flowers or chocolate? Uh, uh, flowers. I'm going to go flowers. Yeah, flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Love triangles or linear? Oh, uh, oh, love triangles. Yeah. I'm going to go love triangles. Yeah, it's got to have a bit, bit of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Slow burn or act first, think later? 
Uh, slow burn. Um, I'm going to go act first, think later. Okay, slow burn. Flying or road trip? Uh, uh, flying, yeah. You can go more places. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to go road trip. Yeah, I'm going to go road trip. Although that's true, flying is more places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, cute or sexy? Uh, cute. Uh, I'm going to go cute. I'm going to go sexy. Just <laughs> Way to be different. Uh, exactly. Uh, forbidden, forbidden love or unrequited? Oh, uh, unrequited. Breaks my heart every time. Love it. <laughs> I'm going to go forbidden. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go forbidden. Um, writing in silence or with background noise? Uh, silence. Silence. Yeah, silence. Uh, spontaneous plans or organized plans? Uh, spontaneous. Um, <laughs> can I say organized spontaneous? <laughs> he does just say both. <laughs> uh, uh, if I had, if I had to pick. <clears throat> So I like spontaneous, but I like to be a little bit organized in my spont- spontaneity. But I would probably go spontaneous if I had to pick. Yeah, I'm going to go spontaneous. Um, and finally, romantic beach holiday or big city adventure? Uh, romantic beach holiday. Absolutely, romantic beach holiday. It's got to be the beach holiday. has to be. <laughs> has to be. <laughs> Fantastic. See, there we go. You guys have survived the, the either or section. Um <laughs> So that is it from us. Um, so thank you so much, Kate, for joining us. Um, and just before we yeah. go, can you just remind um, people out there of how they can contact you, your social media media names? Oh, sure. Yes, my handle on Instagram is uh, the.rolling.scone. Um, and um, uh, on Twitter, I'm Kate Allen Wright. And then uh, the website, of course, you know, the book, book nerd hub is this book is lit.com awesome thank you so much for having me absolutely oh, thank you so much yeah um, and just a remind just a reminder from our social media so you can catch me on instagram at lizzie's little booknick um, and my website is lizzie's little booknick.co.uk and holly remind us of your handles again on instagram you can find me at az desert bookworm and my blog is thebookshelf.substack.com. Um, and we, again, thank Kate. Thank you for joining us today. It was super fun to, to learn about you and talk with you and share our love of literature and books and writing. Um, our next episode will be dropping on October 4th. So we have about a four-week span now between. But what we're super excited about, Liz, uh, is that we're doing two episodes in October, one at the beginning of the month and one at the end of the month. Um, do you want to say something quick about our end of October show? Yeah, so uh, the next, the final one in October is going to be October 25th. So um, it's going to be obviously right near Halloween. So we're going to do a special kind of horror thriller special um, talking about our favorite horror books. So that's really exciting. Um I love October because it's such an excuse to get all the horror books out, all the Stephen Kings and the Poe and everything else. So really looking forward to that. Um, and 
don't forget you can also follow the podcast um on instagram as well which is at speaking literally uh podcast and we're also on facebook as well yeah so, um, so go ahead the next oh, <laughs> so um that's about it from us so thank you again kate for joining us um any final words Sally? No, just thank you everyone for your support and listening to our podcast and make sure that you check out Kate Allen's book, Fear of Flying, um, and then be watching for her news, uh, on her, on her new, um, projects that are coming out. And then we will see you guys all again in October. Thanks everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.